This is Center Stage, putting your firm in the spotlight by highlighting business owners and other industry experts to help take your firm to the next level. Hey everyone, and welcome to Center Stage. I'm your host, John Henson. And this week, uh, talking about something that I've seen uh, a lot on various forums, social media groups, uh, stuff like that. And that's kind of the expectations around starting a new job in the legal field, whether you're moving over to a new law firm, maybe you're going from big law down to small law, maybe you're a partner in a new firm, or maybe you're starting your own firm, whatever the case is. Um, I know that a lot of, I've seen a lot of uh, lawyers have questions around what they can expect and how they can either fit in culturally or maybe what the the expectations are around growth or all those sorts of things. And so um, to help provide some insight on that and someone who has had some firsthand experience with this is attorney Sherilyn Harley Laban. Uh, Sherilyn, thank you so much for joining us this week. Oh, my pleasure to be with you. I'm really looking forward to it. So yeah, before we jump in, uh, let's get give the brief introduction, you know, who you are and why we got you on this week. So I'm a partner at Dunlap, Bennett and Ludwig, um, which is in Washington, DC metro area. And I practice in the corporate and government contracts arena. And before I joined my firm and I joined one month before the pandemic hit. So I joined in February, 2020. So a rather uh, challenging time to be starting a practice. But yeah. before I, um, joined my firm, I have worked the intersection of business and government for over 20 years. So I started out my career in Washington, D.C. as a high-level lawyer in the House of Representatives. I've also worked as a lawyer in the U.S. Senate. And then I was a political appointee in a previous administration as an appointee at the Department of Veterans Affairs and also an appointee for four years at the Small Business Administration. So I work with companies, not only around the country, but around the world and help them navigate working with the federal government and help them navigate you know, working through the, the federal regulations. And then I also am a corporate lawyer And I work with companies of all sizes and help them work through due diligence, M&A, buy-sale agreements, um, just all sorts of corporate issues that you would expect a company of any size to have. Got it. So that's, yeah, so I mean, you are... You have a lot of experience, clearly. So, I mean, obviously, the, a, a great person to to have this conversation with. Um, so, I guess kind of I, kind of where I want to start is, um, you know, when someone is getting started at a new firm, or maybe they're opening a new firm and they've got to build that initial book of business. I think that's one of the biggest obstacles right. that many lawyers face starting out. Uh, I know that you talk a lot about purposeful networking. What exactly does that mean? So. Um, let me sort of set the table for, for just, just how it functions at a law firm, because, you know, law firms are all different, right? There can be hybrid, you know, sort of models, John, but Mm -hmm. the bottom line is as a partner, you are going to have some sort of responsibility for bringing in business. And unfortunately, the skills of being able to generate clients and business isn't something that you're taught in law school. 
Yeah. It's really, quite frankly, in my opinion, something that lawyers are not taught to do. Right. Mm-hmm. So um, this is really a challenge for some lawyers is how do you go about generating business? Right. And what does that look like? And so to your back to your point of purposeful networking, you know, our time as lawyers is pretty tight. We've got to bring in business, but we also have to bill. Yeah. And when you're looking at an hourly rate, then you really need to be very judicious about your time. And for me, I like to call it purposeful networking because I like to network with people um, that I know are at a certain level, right? Mm-hmm. Because I am... I'm asking them to open up their network to me, right? And so I want to make sure that those that I'm networking with have access to business owners, CEOs, and people that I might want to represent, right? Um, So a, a B2C type of networking, and that's business to consumer, probably is not the best environment to me. Mm-hmm. I really want to focus on the B2B. So I hope yeah. that kind of helps um, yeah. articulate my point. Yeah, and, and, yeah exactly. And, and we talk about, um, you know, we have a resource that we make available to people called an ideal client checklist. And basically all of that, you know, starts with identifying who is the ideal person that you want to work with? And so that sounds like that is what you're doing. You have that ideal potential client in mind, and now you are integrating that into your networking strategy. Right. Right. And, and also John, it's also accessing those spheres of influence, right. That we call, Mm -hmm. right. So being able to access certain networks and often people will ask me, you know, well, Sherilyn, what's a good referral for you? And I tell them, I tell them about my practice. I tell them um, the type of clients I look for. Um, You know, I love coachable clients, John, Mm. right? Um, I love clients that are small but emerging companies, right? I like high energy CEOs and business owners because I know I'm high energy. And that's the type of, you know, entrepreneur and business owner I want to work with, one that's growing, Um, For example, business owner that is thinking about ramping down or possibly retire, that's probably not the best business owner or type of referral from me. Right. Exactly. And so you have you have your strategy more or less in place when you go to network, you know who you're looking for. Um, And I think that most attorneys, you know, lawyers, you know, if they get that in place, they get some business cards, they make some connections, and then they run into another obstacle. And maybe they're not really diligent about following up after that meeting. Maybe they're really hesitant about uh, following up. I know one one thing that we hear a lot of times, uh, you know, especially with our clients around email marketing, is well, we don't want to annoy our list. We don't want to become a nuisance. And I, I see that that's that sort of mindset is, is kind of pervasive in, in multiple areas. And so. What how what is your strategy and and mindset around following up and being persistent with the people that you meet while networking? So um, I think follow up is pretty important because mm-hmm. I think that kind of sets the tone of the type of lawyer you are. Are yeah. you a responsive person or not? So 
I think follow up is very important. Second of all, um, you know, there's a certain cadence, right? Um, there are busier weeks than others. But for me now in my, I just had my two year anniversary at my firm. What I'm doing is I like to spend that first quarter of the year doing a lot of BD, right? Because I know that halfway through the year and BD, I mean business development. I know that halfway through the year and that last half of the year is gonna be very busy, particularly mm -hmm. starting like November one till the end of December because people wanna do certain filings. They wanna either dissolve a company, they wanna form a company for tax reasons. So that sort of like that last quarter is gonna be pretty busy. So in my mind and my strategy is I wanna spend the first quarter of, of the beginning of that new year, getting in the webinars, the, um, the speaking presentations, the speeches, I wanna be doing that sort of high level BD, um, getting out there sort of fishing in some new ponds. I wanna do that that first quarter. So that, that so then, then I have John several months of follow-up activity, right? Mm. Yeah, no, that's brilliant. And um, you know, it, and it's good. I, I like that you have a strategy because that's one of the things that we've noticed is is the the one of the biggest places where a lot of lawyers fall short is they just don't keep in touch. And you know, you talk about referrals. We are huge on referrals. Um, you know, it's it all is comes from a lack of following up. You know, and mm -hmm. the more that you follow up, the more you keep in touch the more that you're going to see those referrals come in, the more that people are going to think of you first. And, you know, I, I love that it's, you know, kind of in this networking strategy and this networking conversation that we're having, um, because, you know, we talk about it a lot from the marketing side of things, but it, it has so many applicable uses right. all over right. the place. Right. Yeah. Two, um, two key follow-up points. The one thing I do um, normally during the day, I am talking to clients and doing my billables. So my follow-up often comes on the weekends mm. and in the evenings. And what I will do is send the delayed emails, right? Right. So if I'm if I'm doing emails at, at 9 p.m. or 10 o'clock, then I just do delay so that the next morning those those people are getting those emails fresh between 9 and 10 and 11 a.m. Right. Um, the second distinction here that I'd like to share with your listeners is that before I joined my firm, I also had my own business for 11 years. Mm. So I was an entrepreneur, right? Yeah. Because after I left the Small Business Administration, I was approached by a number of CEOs across the country who said, Sherilyn, I know you're leaving the administration. We have a new president coming in and there's going to be all sorts of rules and regulations. Can you help us navigate through them? And I said, sure. At the time, I had an infant and a toddler. Mm. So I wasn't sure what I was going to do. But this was a great opportunity to start my own business and, and be purposeful and be engaged, be an entrepreneur, while um, also making sure I'm available to my family, right? Yeah. And so for 11 years, I had my own business working with entrepreneurs and small businesses all across the country who needed help navigating the legislative and regulatory environment in Washington. And as my children grew, 
you know, once they started school or in grammar school and they're all day, the size of my clients grew, right? So then I started to move from the small and mid-sized to larger multinational corporations and international corporations and traveling more and really sort of working more with CEOs, executive vice presidents, SVPs on their Washington strategy. And so what I learned uh, being the CEO of my own business is that, you know, bill collection is difficult, right? right? Bill collection are difficult conversations to have, right? Yeah. Number two, when the work has to get done and you are on deadlines, um, I'm the final stop, right? I would hire 1099s to help me with larger pro- with larger pro- projects, but the bottom line is everything stopped with me. Yeah. And, and there was also a feast and famine element, right? So it would be a little slow sometimes. And then when it was feast, it was really, really busy. And so I really think that those 11 years that I had my own business completely prepared me for being a successful partner at my current law firm. Yeah. And so, so let's transition into that because I think, you know, that's a good way to, to kind of segue into this. Let's say that someone is moving to a new law firm, whether they are just coming from owning their business, or maybe they're coming from big law, coming down to maybe a smaller Mm -hmm. firm, mid-sized firm, whatever the case is. How do you, how do you kind of ingrain yourself into a a new firm's culture? You know, how do you fit in for lack of a better term? Right. So in an all perfect world, John, you are doing your due diligence on the firm, your potential partners before you get there, right? Mm. So that's exactly what I did. I sat down with, with um, a few of the managing partners. I really like them a lot. And then I said, the next step is to see what I have to work with, right? Mm. Because yeah. the whole point of joining a firm was for me to have extra arms and legs, to be able to bring in bigger clients. And, and you know, I, I just have always believed two heads are better than one. And so now I have a, our firm is eight, about 80 attorneys across the country. Yeah. So yeah. now I was going to have access to 80 attorneys. And how fun is this going to be? But first I needed to understand people's expertise, their sweet spots, a little bit more of their personalities, whether I would be able to work with them. And that really is, I mean, there's the initial, you know, interviews and discussions that you have with people. And then John, the hard work begins once you join the firm, that is building those relationships with your colleagues, right? Getting to know the cadence, the working style, um, you know, does your style match with theirs? I am, um, I'm a firm believer in response time for my mm-hmm. client, right? I, I, I respond to every client by the close of business. That may not be the style of one of your other partners or associates that you're working with. So you guys need to talk and be very transparent about what that looks like and what, what are the expectations, right? If I bring in business, and 
um, another partner or associate has, has more expertise to handle this situation, then I'm going to have certain expectations of how the client should be managed and serviced. Yeah. And we need to talk about that so that we're all singing from the same handbook. Exactly. Yeah, no, that's great. And so now, you know, maybe on the other side of that, you know, and you talked about how you decided to go and start your own firm. What, what, what advice would you have for someone who may be in that same position? They're, they're currently at another firm, whatever the size is, and they're thinking right. about going solo, starting their own firm. What kind right. of advice do you have about someone to, to ultimately make right. that decision? So when I had my own business, it was not a law firm. It was an LLC. It was a consulting firm. And and one of the reasons why I joined, I wanted to go to a firm because I really wanted to be able to have, I like to say, extra arms and legs. And I'll tell you, um, I do work with a number of solo practitioners because obviously with a firm of, of 80 attorneys, you get conflicted out. Or sometimes it's just a question of expertise or bandwidth, whatever the case may be. And, um, you know, and I always ask my solar practitioner colleagues, so tell me what you love about working, you know, for yourself. Again, they love working for themselves, right? They may not want the rules of a larger firm. And they also feel that financially it's, it, you know, benefits them more. And so, um, My recommendation and advice is you really need to be very organized, John, Mm -hmm. you're a solo practitioner. You need to be organized and you need to have really organized, good support. So Mm. either good, you know, a really good organized admin support or, um, you know, really, really good law clerks or paralegals, because again, the most important issue is, is managing the workflow and response time. Because yeah. if you cannot respond to clients in an adequate you know, time frame, no matter how great you are, your clients have to move on to someone else. Yeah. It's that exactly. simple. Yeah. They have pressing issues that need to be attended to. And if you can't get back to them, uh, for five days or a week later, because you're tied up in a trial or in litigation, that's just not going to work for some clients. Yeah, exactly. And, and that, and that kind of leads me into my next question here about, you know, even whether you're starting your own firm or even you're just trying to build your book of business, you know, whether it's your emphasis on response time or how diligently you follow up, there are a lot of times, you know, lawyers face obstacles and worry about how they can stand out from their competitors. What, you know, what, what can someone do to stand out? What has worked for you? What have you seen work for others? I'll tell you the main thing that I find when clients come to me is that response time. Hmm. Cause I'll ask them. So, you know, um, how did you find me? Why are you looking for another attorney response time? response time, and also costs that doesn't correlate to the response time, right? Mm -hmm. Or the quality of work. And so one of the things my mantra, John, is number one, um, I want to produce and I expect my associates and colleagues to produce the highest quality work product, number one. And number two, 
the high level of customer service that correlates with that high level of work product. So two things again, high level work product and two, that customer service that clients demand and require and deserve. Yeah. Yeah. And, and that's, and that's how that's going to bolster the word of mouth because you're going to create a, a, a little army of ambassadors for your firm. Yeah. Um, and I mean, you know, and response time, especially I think is so important. I mean, I had this issue um, a couple of months ago, not with a lawyer, but I had some trees fall on my house and I had to mm. call around really quick to find some tree companies okay. to come get this tree off of my house. And I reached mm. out probably to six, seven different companies three companies never even got back to me. Like I still am technically waiting on them to get back to me. Uh, Two of them like got back to me after a week. One company literally called me back an hour later. Guess which one I ended up hiring. There you go. Right. Right? There you go. Yeah. So a lot of times, you know, response time and how you respond to something is is very important in terms of of standing out and, and, and getting that extra business for sure. Absolutely. Yeah. So the last question that I have for you here, kind of before we wrap up is, you know, when you are going to start your own firm or even, um, you know, and this may differ based on the firm that you go and work for, but what are some realistic expectations around the first year of starting mm-hmm. your firm, maybe in terms of revenue, the number of Excellent cases, anything like that? Question. Excellent question. So revenue, the mm-hmm. first year is going to be a little low. Mm-hmm. And I will tell you, <laughs> my first year, particularly because it was COVID, um, was a slow year for me for lots of reasons. COVID, <laughs> number two, you're building a practice, you're building your book of business. Number three, it also takes time to build a rapport with your other partners, right? Yeah. So, you know, those, it's, it's, a, it's sort of, John, a confluence of factors that yeah. are normally going to mean right? That that first year is going to be slow. Now, granted, I did not have a portable legal business, right? Because I had a consulting firm. And some of those clients did not want to join the law firm, right? So some partners who may be laterals may have a book of business. But still, when you're a lateral and you're, and you're sort of bringing your clients, not all of them are going to come. And it may also take several months for them to move with you. So again, no matter how you look at it, John, there is going to be reduced revenue, whether you're brand new starting a practice or even, you know, a lateral coming in, there is going to be a transition. Um, So, and I, and I think you're, you're bringing up very good points realistic expectations, knowing that those first couple years, it's going to be a lot of work because you are going to need to be doing a lot of networking to expand your practice. So it, you know, uh, what some of my colleagues say and everything that I've read from various books about business development, not only in, in law, but also accounting and other fields, it takes a solid three years to build a robust legal practice. Three wow. years. Wow. I'm in year two. Yep. Um, I, uh, 
And I, I love what I do, John. I love it. I love my clients. I get up every morning and I think, okay, whose problem am I going to solve today? However, it's a lot of work, right? Oh, yeah. I knew that going in. And still, that does not deter me not one single moment. Yeah. And, you know, especially us as a marketing company, you know, and, and working with a lot of solo and smaller firms and, and, maybe they don't have as much of a marketing budget or just an overall budget to put towards, you know, accelerating that growth. I think you still hit on a couple of good points and and things that people can do on their own purposeful networking, staying in touch, following up consistently, those things. I, and we preach this to our audience. Those are things that can help you grow and help you, you know, win the cases that, that may otherwise go to your, some of your competitors. And John, I should add, I do most of my marketing myself. Mm. <laughs> you're, you're looking at, I, I, I know Sherilyn better than anyone. Right. So I do it myself. I have yeah. a one referral group. I've got boards I serve on. Um, again, I've been in this area for 25 years. Yeah. And obviously, as you know, from the, from the very beginning of the conversation, I've had a number of different roles in Washington, D.C. And through yeah. those roles... I've built a pretty um, extensive network and I tap into those networks to help me build my practice. Yeah, absolutely. And, and that's, and that's honestly great. And that's on And and that's why part of our messaging and part of our resources are designed around here, here are the tools and and we're here to help you. You don't have to hire us. We're here to help if you need us, but we have all the tools that, that, you know, you can leverage our marketing expertise because they don't teach you how to market a firm in law school. They do not but they we're giving that. you tools to help you out. And, and so whether you really trust yourself, you know yourself, you want to handle your marketing yourself, absolutely go for it. hundred percent. We're going to cheer you on all the way, but then yeah. we're here, you know, if you need us. And so all kinds of good stuff there. Uh, really great insight. Um, I do have one final question for you. It's a question that we ask all of our guests here. And that is if you had one piece of advice for our listeners, what would it be? You know, I would say, um, you know, the journey in business development is always a very interesting one. And so as you, you know, build any business, whether it be legal, maybe a medical practice, I think that you constantly need to think about um, being nimble mm. and, and being creative about how you pursue your business development activities, right? And there's no one real way to do it, John, yeah. but I would encourage everyone to be open to trying different ways of, of building your business. Yes, 100%. I completely agree with that. Uh, Sherilyn, this has been absolutely fantastic. Uh, really you. enjoyed getting your insight. Uh, that's going to do it for us this week. Uh, continue to give us those ratings on Apple Podcasts. Uh, subscribe to our YouTube channel. Leave a review wherever you're consuming the show. We're all over the place, but I know you guys know that. Uh, that's going to be it. Sherilyn, thanks again for joining us. My pleasure, John. Thank you so much. Thanks for listening. To learn more, go to spotlightbranding.com slash center stage.